Welcome to Joys on Air, the internal podcast for joys and safety systems. Today we have Mark Decker, our Chief Human Resources Officer. Mark, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Brian. Glad to be here. Want to take the opportunity to maybe start off and let our listeners know a little bit about you. Can you tell me a little about like how long you've been with Joyson? Sure, Brian. Uh, I've been with Joyson since the beginning, if you will. The company was formed in 2018, but I was with Key Safety Systems from 2016 and frankly joined the company to try to put this deal together with Takata to form an independent third party. So I've been here since the beginning. I'm like the elder statesman, if you will. Like the official employee number one or two. So overall, what, what would you consider like the, the responsibility or the role that you're having within the organization and, and what drives that? Yeah, I, you know, I, I look at my role a little bit differently. The title is very generic, chief HR officer. But to, to me, it's about really shaping the integration of the company. I think that there's uh, so many elements that the human resources activity touches from organization to processes to systems, and the true opportunity we have to be successfully globally is to leverage all of those together to create this, what we deem as the one Joyson approach. So I kind of see myself as somewhat of a architect or a, or a contributing artisan that is helping shape that path forward, more so than doing administration of the business, which I frankly loathe. <laughs> as we uh, as we progress through these three years of the organization, we've we've gotten some different iterations of structure in the organization. Like you said, just kind of orchestrating that organ that organization for the company. Um, we went through a big one uh, at the through COVID and and over the last year, and you know dubbing it Phoenix 2.0. What was behind the reorganization of the company? Yeah, it was it was really transitioning to not be a fast follower and to be a differentiator in the market. All right. So the easiest thing to do is try to emulate somebody that maybe is your competitor that's in a position of strength and try to be like them. And that's boring. And, and frankly, that's not sustainable in this kind of environment. Uh, what we need to do is strive for innovation, new ways of doing things, creating ideas synergies that don't exist with our competition um, and to be create a different environment that people respond to and are sp inspired by. And that's frankly the secret sauce of, of any company to really take advantage of their position in the marketplace is you have to be different. You have to provide something different to your employees. You have to provide something different to your customers and you have to leverage your partners in a different capacity. The automotive industry is littered with failed ventures, the people that just try to take the, the same playbook and play it out and always say, hey, we're global. And, and that's a hell of a lot harder to do than, than it is to say. It's a challenge to be able to do that. So there's no cookbook. There's no you know one set of rules that makes that an easy task. You have to leverage people from the boardroom down to the shop floor. You have to seek ideas. You have to involve people with decision-making. You have to allow them to speak their voice because if they become inspired, your product is going to become inspired and your customers are going to become inspired. So I think we got a real opportunity here being a new brand to reach back, take the best of our past, reshape it, and then bring something that our customers have never seen. And that's the power of this company. It's the opportunity that we have, and it's a small window 
to be able to do that because we won't be the new brand. We won't be the new company for long. And if we don't win that type of thinking from our customers, we'll have missed that opportunity to be somebody different. And that's frankly some of the things that keep me up at night, but it's also the things that launch me out of bed in the morning just because I just know that we can do this. We can do this as a global team. So, um, you know, you talk about the future of, of JSS and all the organizational things that we've done to position ourselves for the future. What advice would you want to give somebody to join JSS? You know, I, I think being a new brand and with a blank canvas, so to speak, it's why wouldn't you join when you can have the ability to shape the company? You know, I, I like to refer to us as a 85-year-old startup company because we have all of this unique history and innovation and bringing products to market, but yet we are brand new. I mean, we're right out of the gates. So again, there's no script to be able to integrate and make a company successful. It's the people and the individuals that have the desire to really shape the company. So why wouldn't you come? Why wouldn't you want to be part of that? To me, being part of a big machine, a company that is you know, successful and runs itself, that's easy. That's boring. Anybody can do that. You can just get your job, make sure that there's not too much pressure, get paid well. But why wouldn't you want to come to a company where you can have your fingerprints all over the success of something that ultimately, you know, I have this vision that will be a Columbia business case study at some point in time that's saying, how, how did you just rise from the ashes to become, you know, what you are and become a credible giant important safety restraint supplier because you know, we're in the business of saving people's lives. We make products that protect the consumer and our families and our neighbors' families and our customers' families. That's, that's a huge obligation. And we can't squander that. We have an important role. So be part of it. And if I'm a young person today that says, hey, I want to be part of something I believe in and I want to have that kind of contribution, man, we've got a place for you. It's here. You know, JSS guiding principles really center on integrity, quality, accountability, speaking up culture, you know, our product safety and workplace safety. You know, how do we get that message out to our employees so that they live it as a culture and that they're not just words? Culture has to be earned. It's not something you buy off a shelf. It's not something that you draft and you put on a flip chart and give everybody, you know, pocket cards to walk around in it. It takes years to earn that type of culture. And all, all of those attributes are incredibly important to this company, probably more important to this company than most because of our history. The quality focus is absolutely paramount to us because that is the business we are in. We build safety critical parts. We can't afford to take a shortcut or not do things right because people's lives are on the line if, if you don't do it right. And having the utmost care and concern and the focus on the ethical way to do that is absolutely critical in every, every manufacturing facility, every engineering center, and every SGNA center that we have globally. If we harness that and share it, you develop a culture. And then it's from the ground up. The, the employees developed it. It isn't the leadership of the company handing something out to everybody. It, it comes from within and then it permeates. Then you've got a, an incredibly powerful attribute to be competitive in the workplace. 
because my vision would be that this company, our brand, we would be a destination employer. We'd be coveted. People would want to be here. They want to be part of it. They want to grow with it. And then that's an incredibly powerful element. I think we have the ability to do it. And the, fu the fundamental values of the company are super core to that vision. And I would say are the foundation to our long-term business plan. How do we take advantage of those that core business and, and the principles behind it and then integrate the diversity of the company? I mean, we've got four strong regions that are pretty balanced and we've got 24 countries that are represented within our organization. How do we bring those together? Well, look, we, we have a footprint that a lot of companies would, would die for. I mean, it, we're equally distributed around the world in the markets that matter. We have, I think, concentrations of expertise in all of those regions that not many companies could manage, especially within the automotive supply base. So one, we've got the footprint we've got, and we've rationalized it and restructured. And it's been a hard three years to get from the day this company was created to where we're at today. But we've done the right things to make us competitive and to be viable long-term. So we've got this wonderful footprint. We've got a diversity in employees and in capability. I still think we can do more. There's, there's areas that I think we're deficient in, and we could challenge ourselves as a company to be more reflective of our workforce and our customers. But right now, we have a really good opportunity to leverage that in all of these regions that we make product and that we serve as customers. And again, harnessing that pride in all of those regions, and it's a challenge. It's because people are motivated differently in multiple cultures, as we all know. It's what means most to them at their level, what impact they can have, and what contribution that they can have. Um, and then success breeds success. You start small, it gets bigger, and then it's, a, it's an avalanche. And that, that's what we're trying to create here from a cultural perspective. We talked about the, the choice in principles. You know, what kind of principles do you have for yourself? That's a good question, and everybody likes to look at themselves from maybe a, an internal perspective, but I, I try to make an external perspective of it, and I certainly know I'm not perfect, and there's ways that I would like to refine my skill sets, but what I am proud of is that what we're trying to do here in this company here is truly behaving on a global basis. It doesn't matter that our history is from... Japan, per se. It doesn't matter that our ownership today is Chinese. It doesn't matter that we're headquartered in Detroit, Michigan, or that we have large concentrations of operations throughout Eastern and Western Europe. We're all one team. And my principle is that if you treat it like that, if you treat people with respect and you treat people with the right amount of um, thought-provoking incentive to really strive, they will, and they'll surprise you every time. And, and, and the one thing that I think from a principal standpoint is our mission is to develop this company for the next generation and the generation after that. And we have to spend as much time as possible, more so, I think, enhancing the capability and providing those tools for our teams to be the next set of leaders. This is about them, and this is about them running the company when we're long gone. And uh, that's something that I put a lot of stock in. I believe in it. I think whether you're 
in a sports franchise or you're in another successful business, your mission is to develop the next set of leadership to continue the success of the overall entity. So I, I have a huge principle on that. I feel strongly about it. I think as an HR guy, I think that uh, there's anything that I enjoy about the typical duties of human resources is, is developing you know, that next set of leaders. There's nothing more satisfying to me, and it's nothing more satisfying to see people progress throughout the organization. And, and then frankly, in some cases, either lead the organization and take on another role with another company or another industry. It brings a lot of pride and gratitude. And naturally, I think that other leaders feel the same way and harnessing that now that we've progressed through our restructuring, we have an unbelievable opportunity to really enhance that, that principle. What do you see as being the biggest challenge to, to make that a reality over the next couple of years? I think it, uh, it'll come down to a lot of the unknowns, uh, right? We, this whole world is dealing with something that they've probably never seen before in terms of a global pandemic, at least, you know, the most recent generations, you know, and, um, and anybody that says they were prepared for that is not telling the truth. I'm extremely proud of how this company has handled it and how we put employees first and the health and well-being and the focus on them and their families and the things that we did to ensure that, uh, that they could function and be comfortable and the protocols that we set forward. I think our team did an excellent job. You know, these other industry firsts that we've seen with the semiconductor shortage and things like that that have really challenged our ability to rebound out of COVID and take advantage of the restructuring that we've done to propel the company that set us back. I think those type of challenges we've handled well, and I'm super proud of our team that's been able to adjust to those unforeseen challenges. But those are the things that you just, you don't have a crystal ball for. You just, you, you can't forecast that. You can't put that into a five-year plan and know how that's going to impact your industry and and how it's going to impact your customers and shipping containers trapped in ports and inability to get parts and releases being called off at the last second and inventory being built and having to to address it it's just it's a it's a tremendous challenge so i think those external forces and look the good companies are going to figure out how to do it and we're going to figure out how to do it too that's just the way it is and we have and again, I think there's a lot of smart people that are working at every level of the company. We're still building the foundation, the toolbox for the organization. One of the things that we are moving forward with is building an HR tool or a tool for the employees to kind of manage their experience within the organization, success factors. How do you envision this tool, you know, being utilized and embraced within the company? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I think it's an enabler right? It's a tool, right? Uh, no tool is going to solve everything. It's, it's the application of, and how you leverage the tool, but it's a single source of truth that is going to connect the world and make it smaller. We don't have thousands of systems. We'll have one. We won't have multiple payroll systems. You know, we'll, we'll have a, a integrated payroll. We'll be able to have common approaches on how we develop people and how we share information. And that's challenging in a world today, you know, with data privacy and, and things like that. But it, it's going to be an enabler to drive our culture because we want employees to be involved in their, their career experience. We want them to showcase their talents and express their interests and what they want to pursue. And then we want to know that and we want to help them. 
And we want to provide them with those avenues and show them the paths that they can refine and develop their career. We want managers to have greater control over their over their activities with better data, better analytics, make better decisions. It's it's all foundational on, on really having that right level of approach from a systems perspective to make us perform at, at a much higher level. And, you know, I also think that it'll be a, it's a good harbinger for what we are in the future. We need to embrace technology. If we're, if we're going to really compete on a global basis, we have to seek different approaches that maybe our competition wouldn't have the stomach to do. Having a global big bang roll out a system, one global system for 45 to 50,000 employees and multiple countries and multiple regions and multiple languages is not what many companies will take on. But we have that somewhat of that kind of luxury right now to take that risk because it's the right risk to take. It's calculated. And I'm comfortable with that because I think the upside far outweighs the downside on it. It also, forgive me if I'm wrong, but it also provides an opportunity for an employee to develop themselves for sure. through training tools and, and um, a career path. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there'll be a, a number of different resources that employees have at their disposal to manage their career and enhance their career, uh, refine their, their skill sets. And the other element, too, is that, you know, we, we want this company to be fun. We want it to be somewhere where people aspire to be, to have pride in their company and give them the right tools where they can perform their jobs. That's fundamental. And if you can get there, people will start building upon that and they'll start leveraging those to make the world smaller, to share, you know, their experiences, create better communication within the company and really build our brand. Right now we're in this no person's land, if you will, on brand identity that we're new enough where it's kind of interesting, uh, but we're not known enough where we get a lot of headlines. We're somewhere right in the middle. And again, we'll lose that window in the next few years, I think. So taking advantage of positioning ourselves, putting the right systems in place, providing the right tools for employees to be ultra productive in their jobs, uh, to have access to information, and then be able to be part of shaping the future of the company, I think it's a super powerful competitive advantage if we can take advantage of it. It's up to us, frankly. Yeah, and I think that the branding issue is definitely something that needs to be part of our future. And, and part of that message of safety being our middle name as an organization, I think it really strengthens the, the core of, of why we do what we do and, and everything beyond it. And utilizing that and then taking ownership and maybe on the HR side, even going into the, the facet of having a safety is my middle name where people really own, you know, what JSS is in the core. Yeah, no doubt. And, and if people believe it and they it's truly part of the, the DNA of the company and the inspiration will follow, then you've got a really, really interesting you know, scenario that people want to be part of you. They want to drive success. They know that it's a place that they can get recognized and grow their career. And global companies are the ones that are going to be most successful in, in this environment. They're, especially in our industry, they're just, it's very difficult. If you, our customers are global, their expectations are global, and we need to behave and inspire uh, our employees to absolutely surprise and delight beyond the expectation of our of our customer group you get that then you have a pull it's not just a push you get you have that pull and then that's uh that's a high class problem to have
just a little bit about you and your your leadership style as somebody in a role that really represents all employees when it comes to any matters in the organization. How do you lead that into a, into a board meeting and a director's meeting? Everybody has a different approach, but you, you just can't take yourself too seriously. It's all about you're just one of the team members and everybody has a contribution. Nobody's more important than anybody else. I appreciate the way that our our leadership team interacts. It's not predicated on titles and stripes. It's getting the right people that have the right capability to make the right decisions. It doesn't matter at what level. You know what I mean? Our CEO doesn't hesitate to pick up the phone and call, you know, somebody three, four levels down below. It just doesn't matter. We don't have that stodgy hierarchy that is would be a massive headwind if we did. And I like that approach, and I, I want us to be, I, I prefer to be more casual in an environment than formal, um, because I think, again, that's a competitive advantage because our competition is formal. And, and if we can figure out a different way and create a different communal feeling and a different culture within our organization, and people aren't worried about a lot of that, not leaving before your boss leaves and all this kind of traditional things and being very open to flexible work arrangements and the new future, which everyone is figuring out of how we run the business. But I think we've done a good job and a lot of people have throughout this whole pandemic. My personal opinion is that if people are comfortable and they feel empowered, then you can do some special things as an organization. It really creates the opportunity for us to break the mold of what traditional business was. You know, and the pandemic was one of these things that allowed us the opportunity to do that. Anything that you you missed from the pandemic, you know, prior or anything that happened that didn't uh, that you don't want back? Seeing everybody every day is is always special. I mean, everybody. I mean, we're human beings. You you want interaction. Nobody wants to be isolated. But you know, I, I think that we can learn a ton from this generation. When I think back of it, when I was growing up and. And you just look at generational without stereotyping that baby boomers was all about work and probably less about family. Uh, and then the next, you know, Gen X, Gen Y, all that stuff, it was like maybe a little bit more of a blend. But there's a lot to learn from, I think, the youth today. Uh, they have a much better view on balance and, and the way that they approach work life um, and what's important and what's not. And, it, and it's our obligation to provide them with the right tools because they are the workforce of the future. And like I said, they're the leaders. They're the ones that are going to be running this company. So to try to force fit a mold that maybe worked 25, 30 years ago doesn't work today. And the inflexible companies that are really stuck on protocol and policy and all this kind of stuff that is, I don't know, maybe archaic is, is a good word, that the ones that are more open and, and more subject to some interpretation when it comes to flexibility and the ability to perform your jobs, I think that's going to be the future destination employers. And we already know who they are today, you know, in the tech industry and, and so forth. <clears throat> but in automotive, I think that's uh, people speak to speak, but uh, can you back it up? And uh, again, I think that's where we have a unique opportunity of we're not saddled with decades and decades of, of, of an approach uh, that maybe some of our competition is and, and we're a little bit more subject to open interpretation when it comes to employees performing their work. What advice would you give a 25-year-old self? <laughs> yeah, I treat my, my work life a lot different 
I look back at a lot of the mistakes that I made and the emphasis that I put on certain things. And if I could undo it, I would. I think, you know, nobody does anything, everything perfect with their family, but uh, there was a, a lot of emphasis on, on the me and not on the we. I don't even have to give that advice to a 25-year-old because they've already figured it out. You know, and that's, that's something that, you know, I think that we all can learn from, you know, the plus 50 crowd out there. What, what they've learned, it, it's taken us a lot of time. And uh, unfortunately, there's some mistakes that you can never do, but you, all, you just learn from it. What, what in your life are you most grateful for then? Definitely my family. One of the things that I'm very proud of them is that I've dragged them all over the, the country and the world. And, you know, through some challenging times when they were maybe growing up in their later school years, again, I probably I wouldn't, wouldn't make that same mistake now that I'm older. I got fortunate because we had a surprise addition. Uh, so I have three, three kids in, my mid, in their mid-20s, and then we have an 11-year-old. So I got a chance to do it all over again. So this is my, this is my redo. It's my second chance. So I, I, hopefully I've, I've learned from a, a lot of that. I, family comes first, right? Uh, and I know most people believe that. And, and it is why, why we work. It's what we do, the, the things that we do. And uh, you can't lose sight of how important that is. That's... Uh, to me, that's 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 core to who I am, and I know with most of the people I know, that's that's core. That's and I believe that's the the right priority. You spent an amount of time in in Japan, you know, working from their international assignment. What did you learn from a cultural perspective? Uh, that was fantastic, uh, and and that my my kids were a little bit younger at that point in time, so they thought it was hilarious to be mutant illiterate in a foreign land. It was just, it was great, and we we met so many great people. Uh, we're very fortunate. Uh, we I had some great advice when I was young. When we we moved moved a lot when I was with Ford Motor Company and Vistian all over the United States. And uh, one of my parents' friends said, "Hey, treat every place you go like it's the last place you'll ever be, and then you'll you'll get the maximum experience out of it." So my wife and I always always took that mindset. And everywhere we've lived, we've we've made great friends that we still have to this day. So uh, the Japan was, uh, uh, experience was three years. It was fantastic. I was with Vistian at the time and got to travel all over Southeast Asia. And our, our, we lived in a, in a community that was very international. I'd say, you know, it was 50% Japanese and, and, and the other half from all over the place. And our next door neighbors were Austrian. Uh, and he worked for GM, uh, a Suzu program. So our kids were the same age. We barely knew them. They barely knew us. But you just... You know, you just bond with people that you've never met before and on the other side of the world. So within months, like we were watching their kids while they took off and went to Hong Kong or somewhere. And then we would do the same and they'd watch our three kids and so forth. So it was just uh, it was something that you would just never expect that that you would build those kind of relationships. And that never would have happened unless we we had an international experience and you think, you know, differently out of the box and. It really makes you look at your own country from a different perspective when you live abroad and you look back and and you and you hear you know other opinions and good and bad um, and it just helps shape your your values. So I think it's it's something that it was really important for us and I think that we all we all took something away from that. It was pretty special. Thank you, Mark, for uh, for joining us today. And it was I think it was great content for our listeners, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Brian. Glad to be here.